Welcome to the Square Podcast. In this week's interview segment, we've got a very special guest, Buffalo News food writer, Andrew Galarno. I'm glad to be here. We also have a guest host this week, Chris Miller, a friend of ours, Chris Miller, who is a, a foodie, I would say. Uh, that's generous, yeah. but thank you. <laughs> Ree's out of town. He's in D.C. for some rugby stuff. Yeah, he went to, he went to go watch uh, the U.S. Eagles take on the All Blacks. Yeah. And uh, I know we're not the sports podcast, but no. we did. I did text him yesterday because... Uh, U.S. Eagles were underdogs by 71 and a half points, and they failed to cover. <laughs> wow. Oh, well, we'll get that to slide whistle. All right. <laughs> so we've got a few questions for you, and, you know, we'll, we'll really take this conversation wherever it has to go. So we were just having a conversation about, uh, I, I, this is not on the board, but I want to talk about it, about some, some of the lesser known, maybe minority owned businesses, restaurants, and uh, is there anything you'd, you'd recommend? Well, holy Toledo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Broad question, I know. That's a long list. I mean, the, the overarching story here is that the most interesting, diverse food being made in Buffalo right now is being brought here from people from other countries. I mean, yeah. I, it's always been that case. I mean, where do you yep. think spaghetti and meatballs came from? And oh, it wasn't created in America? Well, yes, but who created it? Right. It was Italian people who wanted to do something that reminded them of the old country, but use the materials of the new country. Sure. I mean, they, did, well, they would never have thrown out meatballs that were so huge because meat was a lot more precious in Italy. But anyway, so what we have today in Buffalo is with the influx of people from, well, most notably in first uh, Burma and Iraq, Somalia, all these countries coming here because this is a good place to resettle refugees because of a relatively low cost of living. A lot of people don't realize until they look at the restaurants that, did you know that uh, Buffalo is 3% Burmese? I, I actually did know that, but that's partly because I, in, in 15 years ago I was working in nonprofit and working with the resettlement agencies quite a bit, so I, I got to know some of those facts. But yeah, I, I knew that uh, Buffalo is actually 3% Burmese now. And, you know, for me, the diversity means a diversity of opportunities for people in our community to try different and good food that can serve a, a wide variety of dietary needs. So there's a lot of food from other places that is naturally vegan, mm -hmm. for instance. Uh, it's a style of vegan food where you don't have to eat processed pretend chicken patties in order to avoid animals and still have a good time. I could list off some of the salient places if you'd like. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, for Burmese food, uh, Lynn Restaurant on Tanawanda Street across from Riverside Park has like, I think they're the best flavors in town, but they're running, they're running right now at a very low business mode. Takeout only, um, and sometimes you have to go in there and find the guy to order takeout because they don't answer the phone. <laughs> so, but the good news is about three blocks south of that is a place called Family Thai, which is run by another Burmese family. They have just a menu that has the Burmese basics, Thai basics, and also some interesting things from Malaysia, uh, including a fried fish soup, which I wrote about uh, in my review. By the way, anybody who's interested should know that usually... By now, if you use my unusual last name and the name of a restaurant in quotes, you can usually pull up the review on the first page for the most part. Whether or not you can get through it, but the paywall, ah, sorry, that's not my department. <laughs> okay, also, let's go to South Sudan. Okay. So uh, the newest outlet at the Westside Bazaar at 25 Grant Street is a South Sudanese restaurant called Nile, after the river. Mm -hmm. The man who runs it told me it is his ambition 
so he escaped the Sudanese civil war with his son and they came to the United States with other family members and he has managed after years of work to get enough money together to open a restaurant. He was actually, I don't want to get too far off the track, coming back. Very good stuff. Um, especially if you love the herb dill, they have kebabs with lots of dill in them and a, uh, collard green and beef stew with tons of dill and full madamas, which is uh, braised fava beans, which is a, a vegetarian dish best in the city for sure. Now, the reason this guy is there is because he and his family were brought, you know, to Buffalo in part of the resettlement. And now he's finally settled enough in this country where he can offer something of his own. Let's see, South Sudanese. Okay. So Yemeni food. Yeah. Um, now, the Yemeni actually uh, influx to Buffalo started, I don't know if you knew this, but in the early 1900s, like the 1918s, World War One, there were a big Yemeni contingent that came over to work in the steel plants. Okay. And more came over, especially after the situation in Yemen deteriorated. Right. Mm-hmm. So at this point, um, I, I've been sending people to Crave King, which is on South Park, right by the Basilica. Okay. Which takes a while to get your food, but it's delicious. And I noticed that the biggest Yemeni restaurant on Broadway called Al Mandi, is almost done with its construction, and when that's done, people can once again sit down with their families and enjoy things there. Those are some of the basics. Very nice. I, I, one of my new favorites is, I think it's Sahara Bakery on Sheridan Drive. Yes. Iraqi. Yeah. They're, they're actually uh, Afghani. Afghani, okay. Yes. Uh, they're from the Hazidi minority Muslim sect of Afghan okay. Afghanistan. They got over here, and yeah, they are turning out absolutely... Unique in the marketplace, bread, including um, my parents' favorite is something called rot. It's yeah. spelled R-O-H-T. It's a characteristic flat coffee cake. Here's the thing. It's not like super sweet, like uh, a lot of like, you know, Danishes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, but it, it's, it's, got, it's got cardamom and uh, black nigella seeds, and it's very good with coffee or tea. And they make one as big as a hubcap, and they, they'll sell it to you for eight bucks. I'm like, dude. You're not charging enough. He's like, but uh, I'm like, okay, it's your business. Yeah, yeah Sahara, yeah. lovely. Very affordable. Yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of great places where 2 or $3 will get you something good. I'll tell you one more. Um, Appa's Kitchen is inside the Broadway market. And she's from Bangladesh. And this woman ran a Bangladeshi restaurant in, I forget if it was Queens but one of the boroughs for 20 years moved to Buffalo for low housing prices. And this, she's open in operation now and you can go in there and give her $2 and they do this thing called an egg cutlet, which is essentially, I mean, imagine uh, a, a slab of like spiced mashed potatoes with ginger and garlic and chili about the size of a, of a toasted cheese sandwich. And that gets fried to a crisp. And on the, and when you oh. break it open on the inside, it's turned out that they have tucked like a hard boiled egg in there. Wow. And they give you a green That sounds amazing. And you dip it, and they charge you two bucks. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> so seriously Two dollars for basically like a scotch egg. Yeah. yeah. Well, so uh, there's no meat. Well, there's no meat. But yeah, like, but it is the fried crunchy goodness right. and the dippy dippiness of, yeah. Yeah, a, a, a vegetarian scotch egg. Thank you. Yeah. Fine yeah. by me. Yeah. They give that a try. I didn't know that existed. Nor so, did I. I mean. That sounds amazing. I have the greatest job in Buffalo. I tell everybody because it's true. I mean, they give me a credit card and they say, go find the good stuff. And then tell us when you find the good stuff. And I'm like, I'll take, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, if you are making deal. dumplings and selling them from a licensed and permitted facility, I will find you. 
<laughs> I have developed a certain set of skills. He's got a list, people. Right, yeah, yeah, a long career. The, the toucan Sam of dumplings. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> ask anybody who makes dumplings. And here's the thing. Um, if anybody's listening out there and you're like, I make great dumplings and I sell them. If you don't have permits, if you don't, if you haven't done the licensure with the health department, I'm not going to write about your food. No offense. Might be the greatest food. But um, if I write about your food, number one, you're going to get busted. And number two, it's going to piss off all the people who actually went through all the work to do things the right way. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. So let's let's get to some of our questions here. So I, I want to, I got a question for you. We, we, we mentioned spaghetti and meatballs yeah. earlier. So when you have somebody in from out of town, after chefs, what's the second restaurant you take them to? Bwah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hope the chef's reference is to say, don't eat here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, well, it depends on who, you know, people, I get, you know, I'm the restaurant guy. So people come up to me all the time and they say, what's your favorite restaurant? And my answer is always the same for what, mm-hmm. right? You know, where I'm going to take you depends on, I'm thinking of my specific friends. One of my friends comes into town to Buffalo to eat. He lives on the upper West side of Manhattan. He's eaten in fine restaurants around the world, multiple Michelin stars. I would take him to different places than I would, you know, my friend from college who's coming back to spend a weekend in the old place, mm-hmm. you know? So let me run down a few options. Actually, I sum these up in an article I wrote that for the Buffalo News, uh, where I'm sending people September 2021, I believe is the headline. And so uh, the number one place that I take people that I, who are super tuned into restaurants that I take to imp- try to impress them is The Grange. In Hamburg. Yeah, good place. And yes, well, is. this is this is for industry people. Right. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing that the Grange does better than anybody else in Western New York. They not only do fine, fine work, scratch work, everything house made, they, the bakery truck does not pull up to the Grange. They are doing it in all three phases of the day. No one else does that. No one else mm-hmm. kills it at breakfast, kills it at lunch, and then destroys you at dinner. Now, Back. what I'm saying, that is an accomplishment that's just not about food. That is an accomplishment of leadership, of, of getting the right people, holding them together during a, the most challenging time for restaurants right. in memory, and keeping them working at that pitch. That is not something that I have seen anywhere else. Yeah. So now, the, they have their open hours at the Grange, but how early do you have to get up to start making the bread, and how late do you have to stay to oh, clean yeah. up? You know, I mean, holy crap. I mean, That's baker, an operation. Baker's hours start at like 3 a.m. Yeah. yeah to get up and go do stuff. I mean, so to be able to, so it's accomplishment, not just of what's on the plate, but in an or, keeping an organization working together in the, in the most trying circumstances. Okay. Number two, where I take people like my friend, Bud, who have been to all the fancy places to just blow their minds with something they have never seen before. I take them to wax light Love every, wax every light. time because yeah. mm-hmm. I will say this uh, as long as I have breath that it's the most interesting restaurant I have ever eaten in. I mean, the ideas that those guys come up with, and I say guys because the two people cooking the food are dudes. Ed Forster, Joe Fanouche, super creative cooks in their own right. Now they're working together in a a framework of an organization that they put together that is allowing them to focus on their strengths, which is creativity. Lots of stuff you can see on the menu and you'll recognize. Other things you're like, what the hell is that? Yeah, on their opening day, it was my wife's birthday, and we went on their opening day, knowing full well it, it would, it would, we would not be taking a chance going there. 
It, it was it was amazing. And I love what they're also they've got the menu set up so that it's like a tapas style yes. oh, at the yeah. top. Yeah. So you can you can risk three dollars, seven dollars, six dollars on some weird thing. You know, and then the nice plates, you get a nice piece of pork, nice piece of fish, you know, in the, tw- all under 30 though, mm-hmm. they're still not, mm-hmm. they're still not charging, you know, transit road steak prices. Right. Right. For this stuff. No, I, I had, we, we went uh, for my birthday right. there and I had, ago. Uh, the anchovy toast was just blew my mind. Yeah, it, it was, was just it was so crazy. phenomenal. Like the bread there, if, you, if you've been to Blue Hill and you had their bread, it rivals that. I, I really think so. Well, and Blue Hill is one of the, for people who don't know, is one of the outstanding Michelin-starred places of downstate. Yep. The reason that Waxlight is never going to get a Michelin star is because the Michelin inspectors don't leave the big cities for various reasons. Otherwise, they'd be a contender. Mm-hmm. I went in there, and I saw a pasta that they had of uh, a ragu of beef and strawberries. And I'm like, what? Get <laughs> out of it. And I, I took one bite, and I was like, Holy <laughs> That's crazy. shit. See, the thing is, wow. I mean, uh, so I've been eating professionally for 10 years. Yeah. I, you, you eat a lot of things and people, you, you see different things. But when you put something in your mouth that makes you go like, God damn, I have experienced a new foodgasm today. How did they prepare the strawberries with the steak? It, well, uh, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's a braise. Okay. So it's a, okay. it's a stew. They yeah. stewed Got strawberries. It. I'm with you. And I put it in my mouth, and I'm like, just something about the fruitiness, the fresh fruitiness of the strawberries scooped up that sort of uh, really just satisfying gravy kind of uh, pot roast lushness and turned it into a new thing. And I'm like, I would never have had this experience if I hadn't decided to go to a restaurant like this that was capable of Mm -hmm. doing something like this. So for people who are like, people who like to talk about their food, uh, wax light. Um, now lately my pick for like, you want lush, you want anniversary food, you might step out celebration night. Uh, lately my pick for that has definitely been Prescott's provisions in the, in the city of Taiwan. Mm -hmm. They do a great job there. Because I feel like, you know, a lot of the dinosaurs have lost their luster to me. A lot of the big things, a lot of the big money pits. Um, and I've gone back to those places and I've considered what they're doing now. My mission is to focus on the best things I can find for people and I, what, you know, some people say to me now, where do I go for a steak? I say, you go to Prescott's provisions, you go mm-hmm. to Tutant, you go to, you know, mm-hmm. go to Billy club. Oh, sure. Billy, Billy club is another one on my list. Billy club for as an oasis on, on Allen street. That's not about shot, 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 shot. <laughs> or wings. <laughs> well, and the, the, the food is just simply outstanding and boom, clean, clear. The cocktail program is great. Yeah. Let's see. Other places I am recommending right now. Take your time. I can edit out the space. Ah, thank you for letting me take this pause because yeah. if I didn't, I would have left out the little club. The little club. Oh, oh that's a great mm. one. Their food so, is excellent. Oh, yeah. I think they're known as a wine bar, but their food just surpasses it. It's, it's well, amazing. So when I wrote a review, I tried to dispel the myth that they're a wine bar because what they are is they're the next generation of the Lombardo family restaurant excellence in Buffalo. So across the street from dad's place, Ristorante Lombardo, you know, pasta, veal chop, you know, et cetera. Very good. Very great. Uh, across the street from that, Tommy Lombardo, the kid, and his, his wife, very, both of them very crack professionals, have opened the next generation. You know, it's lighter. It's brighter. There's more vegetables. Menu tops out at $28. Mm-hmm. Also, some interesting things. I would specifically recommend the fennel in chili butter and... Cabbage. I know it sounds ridiculous to say I recommend you eat cabbage in a restaurant, but 
eat this guy's cabbage, and you'd be like, how come nobody else makes cabbage good? I grew up with yeah. Polish food. I ate cabbage all the time. So. Yeah, yeah, but this is good cabbage. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, oh, I'm going to get mail. We're going to get mail. No, Uh-oh. I love a babcha. Don't do it. Don't do it. And um, the other dish I have to specifically talk about at the Little Club is the chicken dish, which somehow he's managed to figure out uh, how to weld fresh herbs into chicken skin and make it crispy while serving it over croutons soaked in the red wine and in mushrooms and parsley. It's beautiful. It is good. I've had it. And, yeah. and I think one of the things you, that people don't mention about Little Club too is their desserts are fantastic. They make those in house as well. Oh my God. I had oh a carrot God. cake there that blew my mind so much so that we actually ordered an entire cake to take home with us. There and they go. did it for us. That, they don't normally do that. Yeah. They made one. That is that is awesome. Uh, while on the subject of Little Club desserts, one must get the panna cotta. They sneak in a little bit of Chardonnay vinegar into Ooh, it, and the God. whole tangy. Oh. oh yeah, that sounds great. I I went I went the first time I had it. I put the spoon in my mouth. I'm like, Tommy, Tommy, what is this? You know, and to their credit, I mean, see, I'm there as a critic to help put what people are doing in its best light. I used to do the kind of review before the pandemic where I would come in and do the thumbs up, thumbs down kind of thing. And I don't do that anymore. And good riddance. Because that sort of review was based on a model that basically cribbed off the New York Times model. See, the difference is the New York Times, the restaurant critic is the restaurant critic and he has nothing else to do. And his marching orders are to go to a restaurant until you have it figured out and then write the review. Me, I got one visit, maybe two. So you can't peg things as accurately as you'd like because restaurants are made of people. Mm -hmm. They can change like the weather, you know? So after the pandemic, now what the style is, I'm showing up and reviewing you because I love what you're doing or I love something you're doing and I'm here to help you explain that to the customers. So I'm going to ask you questions until I understand why I love what you're doing. Like why what you're doing really turned my crank. And if I can understand that, then I can articulate it to the audience. Mm -hmm. And that's my whole drive, like help. I'm basically like helping them sell. I'm sure. like, look, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the marketing agency for people who can't afford marketing agencies. Right. I want you to survive. In order for you to survive and let me keep eating your food, I need you to be given money by the people in this town. Let's see what I can do about that. Absolutely. Speaking of Michelin-rated restaurants, then we don't have any around here. Aside from Waxlight, what other the Michelin inspectors do not leave large cities. Right, right. You know who else doesn't have any Michelin stars? Toronto. Because <laughs> yeah. they don't go there. It's right. that simple. Yeah. Okay, sorry. No, it's okay. I mean, what other restaurants do you think would be worthy of that status? Oh, um, here? wow. Let's talk about Bacchus. Let's talk about Toutant. If you're, if you're looking for the, the, the red sauce, like a Tapo, uh, Osteria 166, Frankie Primo's, mm. Carmelo's. Oh, okay. Lewiston. Mm. Yeah. People a little bit of a hike. But forget. Yeah. I'm sorry, but but if you're going to Art Park, you've seen mm-hmm. a show, right? Uh, well, I mean, I'm going to go out and say to you that it's worth going there just for dinner because Carmelo's work is worth it. If you know, I can certainly you know, if I'm going to recommend you would leave Buffalo and go down to Hamburg and Grange. Certainly, Carmelo's is not. It's not too bad. Not too bad. No. You do okay. I mean. Um, you know, for all the restaurateurs out there who are mad because I'm not mentioning their name right now, I've been through a lot, so it's been quite a week. You talked about some of the pastries at the Little Club. Oh, oh. I have to go back to Inizio, oh, which Inizio's is the Pasta amazing. Palace. Best pasta in Buffalo, frankly. And yeah, yeah. they're currently closed due to fire. 
but I talked to um, Mike Gibney, the operator, and he is absolutely coming back. And it would also be wrong not to mention another success downtown, Marble Plus Rye, because mm-hmm. that's their name, Marble Plus Rye. As soon as they told me what they were calling it, I'm like, why? They have ampersands. It's a perfectly good thing. <laughs> but anyways, it's Marble Plus Rye. And what they've done after the pandemic and switching it over to a more casual setting where you come in, you can order, you know, order one of these Detroit, Detroit-style pizzas, which are great. They have a small lineup of absolutely killer things from vegan to vegetarian to meaty and some of the best cocktails like anywhere like it's been so long since i thrilled to like like a boozy milkshake sort of cocktail but they're doing this the dirty banana which is a roasted banana um creamy frothy sweet confection that they're doing it's just i'm i usually stay away from the sweet stuff but this was just like the boozy like dessert i needed oh man it's good Man, so that's good. that's that's kind of the short list. There are other great stuff. I oh, wish sure. a lot of people, a lot of you know, a lot of people are doing great work. What I try to do, as you know, in terms of my media strategy, is I try I go into a place and I'm looking for one thing that they're doing that's different that I can use to break through people's shell and say this is different. This is why you should go here. My whole goal is to get people to go to a place one time, see if you like it. You know, if you don't. Mm. There's a million fish in the sea. You mentioned some great desserts at Little Club and at Marble Plus Rye. What do you think is some of the best dessert or pastry in the in the city? So Grange needs to be mentioned there yep. in terms of restaurants. So also Debutsu Ooey Gooey Butter Cake. Ask for it warmed up with a scoop of brown butter ice cream. You will not be sorry. But just in terms of straight up bakery stuff, Butter Block, number one. Butter Block Uber Alles. I mean, in terms of croissant work, pastry work, straight up consistency, you know, all due respect. Buffalo is a bagel town now, again. Is is it? Well, I mean, there's so many um, small bagel operations that have opened up. Uh, Logan, then you got Bagel Jar, which is now serving out of both uh, Uh, public public espresso locations and at farmer's markets Mm -hmm. on their own. You have Dopus Dough available during the... Uh, farmer's market that is held in the lobby of Seneca One downtown every Thursday from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. So you can stroll in there and get some dope bagels and sourdough and things mm, like that, beautiful. fresch vegetables. I'm just trying to throw it out. There's So uh, other bakeries, you know, Kaylina Marie's, like if you're into the monster cinnamon roll scene, um, Sahar Bakery, yeah, the Afghans on Sheridan Drive in the Molinari's, Molinari's Pizza Plaza, just west of Niagara Falls Boulevard, where you can get uh, a loaf of rot r o h t, the characteristic coffee cake with cardamom and black nigella seed for just like eight bucks for something the size of a hubcap. Yeah. <laughs> oh, big I love my hubcap shaped foods. Mm-hmm. Well, I yeah. mean, you know. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. And if you love baklava, I am about to make your day because there is a place on Amherst Street, right across the street from the Amherst Street Wegmans called Fresh Arabic Sweets. It's like 460 Amherst or something. Very good. In that storefront, there is a Syrian baklava artiste and his son. And they will sell you, depending on when you hit them and what's just come out of the oven, you can usually get six to eight different kinds of baklava and uh, syrup-soaked cake and various other things. 
They charge you by the pound, $8 a pound, $8 a pound. It is fresh. It is crispy. When I went to write about them, I was like, you know what? There's a Wegmans right across the street. I bet they sell baklava. So I went across the street and I found it. You can buy baklava at Wegmans across the street for $13 a pound. (laughs) That was made in the Contos factory in New Jersey, and it had an expiration date of 2020 on it. So So don't uh, go to Wegmans for your baklava. No, right across the street. (laughs) And they also make a very, very good uh, chicken shawarma sandwich. So that's uh, Syrians. Mm. He came over uh, from Homs during the Civil War, and ended up settling in, in, in Buffalo. And so, you know, again, the, the diversity of the food possibilities in this city have increased so much in the last 20 years. And most of it is from new people from countries we're not familiar with showing up and like cooking stuff they like. And we are the better for it. I know one of your favorite desserts in town. Oh, uh, it's, it's definitely the, I love the sticky toffee pudding at Black Sheep. Yeah, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, I miss at Black Sheep when they used to do Midnight Mass. Oh, that was a, that, that was yeah. a good time. That was a great time. Um, but you know what Ellen's doing there with that sticky toffee pudding, like what it, that is one thing that I I will take people from out of town to get. I like we'll go just for dessert. We'll just go sit at the bar. We'll have a couple of cocktails and we'll get some sticky toffee pudding. So you're a sticky toffee pudding pin. I a little <laughs> bit. But do you have the pin? No, I don't. Not. Well, we see what we can do about that. Okay. I mean, if you're a fan, you should rock the swag. Yeah. So a few weeks ago, Jim and I took a little, and my wife, Kelly, took a little trip to Portland, Maine. On the way back, we hit New York State. We hit a rest stop because we were hungry and there was nothing else around. And we, we found a Roy Rogers chicken. Right. And it's, and uh, the bag that they, they that they had the food in, and everything was pre-cooked and like under like a heat lamp. So it was obviously very, very good. Right. Uh, but it, fresh. the bag said, careful, contents are addictive. So I want to know, like, on a scale of, like, Amy Winehouse to Sid Vicious, how addicted to Roy Rogers chicken are you? Ted Nugent? So wait, <laughs> Amy Winehouse to Sid Vicious. I'm trying to figure out which end of the scale is which. <laughs> well, that's, that's, there's a little of ambiguity there, just in case. They both ended up dead. <laughs> Anyways, um, I have actually been in a position where I was starving, and I was on the highway, and I pulled into a throughway rest stop. Might have been the only food for 50 miles or whatever. And when I saw that only the Roy Rogers was open, I got back in my car. <laughs> Good choice. And I dug out yeah. a piece of gum, yeah. and I kept driving. Look, um, I do not turn up my nose wholesale at fast food and other things. I love me some Cheetos. Um, when I'm super hungry and I just want a nostalgia, sometimes I will just get a Whopper. Frankly, mm-hmm. yeah. I will get a... I, I believe in frame, flame broiled flavor. Sure. Although it did put me off a little bit when I noticed. <laughs> so for a while, period of time, I lived downwind from that malfunctioning Emigani crematorium. And for a while, I couldn't go to Burger King because it's the same smell. Oh, geez. Oh. Well, I mean, that's yeah. why they had to, that's why they had to shut it down. Right, the neighborhood. Right. I mean, because that wasn't it good. Was, it was bad. Yeah. You can decide whether or not to edit that out later. If that's a bit bleak <laughs> no, we'll for keep, you, we'll keep it in. No, we're, we're we're willing to take on Big Burger King. I'm I'm. This is a real story. No, no, I'm just telling you. No, I, I I will eat fast food. I just whenever I'm up against it, and I'm like, do I really need to do this fast food wise? It's a gut check time. Sometimes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, I will eat the fries. I'll eat the thing. I, whatever. And then there are times when I'm like, mm, 
I can't do this to myself right now. I need to, I need to keep moving. That, that brings us to our next topic, portions. Yeah. Uh, one of my issues, and, it's, and I have this with you know, just trying to speak with, say, my parents or my uncles or my aunts, uh, is a lot of times when they talk about restaurants, or I try to get them to go to, say, the Grange. And they, the first question is to me is, well, what are the portion sizes like? And how, how, does, uh, how nuts does that drive you? It really, it really, it took, it was an adjustment period, first couple years on the job, until I got used to hearing people say, oh, it's so good. I ate their leftovers for two days. <laughs> I'm like, wait, are those connected statements? Yeah. Or are they just observations that are disconnected? And when I found out that there is, there is absolutely uh, uh, an audience for, well, I call them size queens, which is sort of a different context, but people who, for the, the size is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And look, there are plenty of people who are managing their finances well enough so that they can go out to eat once a month or once every three months, and it's just all they can afford. And I don't, I'm not making fun of those people. Right. So listen, if I had to shoot my shot and I, you know, spent $11 for the, for the chicken perm, that was three pieces of chicken and a lot of spaghetti, because that's the only chance I was going to get. Sure. Okay. Okay. Right. Most people aren't like that. Most right. people are just like, they love that heft right right i mean look if you want to go to grover's and get a 14 pound hamburger it's a good burger though don't tell me it's the best burger in the city it's not but it's still a very good burger it's not just crap is all i get it's, it's, it's not crap it's not like they're not using like grade z beef yeah there. And, they're, and, and you're paying for the size you're, the prices are not cheap and they don't give you any sides with it and things like that so i mean i get where you're going with it but just it's it's not the place I go for a burger, but it's a good burger. But the the, the get is still the portions. There. Yes, it right. is. So what is the place you go for a burger? Oof, I don't really go out for burgers that much. Um, it's got to be Mr. Sizzles. I haven't been to Sizzles yet. No? No, it's it's on the list. Just time. Talking about boozy milkshakes. Yeah. I mean, most places do a good burger. You don't, yeah. you know, if you stay away from, you know, the cheaper places, you go out, I don't know, I live out in Williamsville and you can, I could pick a half a dozen places that do a good burger. Are they great? No, but they're good. <laughs> I want to hear you. Where you're I'd love to know where you'd say. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. What's the question? Well, what do you think the best burger in Buffalo is? I don't really have a best there burger. Are di- in well, there again, I'm going to let's, let's. I do let love me, ABV. Might be yeah. my favorite. I'm going to drop back a little bit and say there are different styles. Sure. So mm-hmm. let's see. Smash Burgers City. I like Community Beer Works, partly because they're using. Butter Meat Company meat. What is Butter Meat Company meat? That is uh, locally raised cows that are grown that are, are raised for milk production. Used to be wholesale. Basically, once their productivity was over, they get sold for like dog food or something. Well, an outfit out in Orleans County decided to instead of sending them for dog food to fatten them up a little bit and turn them into meat, which hadn't typically been done. I like it because it, it's got a stronger, I mean, beef aroma. I mean, it, it, sometimes, you know, you eat a McDonald's burger and you're like, huh, if I wasn't looking, I wouldn't know this was beef. Right. Well, that's not, uh, that <laughs> that might a, not, be. not a problem that <laughs> you isn't. have with this thing because it's like, wow, beef. Like it's that pot roast flavor in your mouth instead of just something that you're chewing on. So good beef makes a difference, which leads me to Frank Gourmet Hot Dogs, which despite the name makes my favorite smash burger yeah. outside the city they're because great. they're doing, they're using grass fed local beef it's better beef they smash it down so it gets the frizzled edges and they put it up and if you compare their prices against other smash burger outlets they're not getting any more for it Mm -hmm. so fancy burgers 
ABV is definitely one of, of the spots. I still love the Marble Plus Rye Burger because they have tuned their bun to the patty to an extent where if you're a person who really wants to have that handheld experience, like ABV burgers, love them. You can't really pick them up. Knife and no. fork. Yeah. Unless you can unhinge your jaw, you know, you're not, you're not going to be able to get that done. So I would say. Plus oh, the mess they make. The, and um, all range out of city. I have to talk about the pimento cheeseburger at this little pig in Clarence. Oh my God. Loveless. Makes place. the roll, uses yes. good beef, better beef. Again, locally raised, grass-fed, tastes better to me. And he's got that pimento cheese thing going on, which if you didn't know is a southern mixture of sharp cheddar, red pepper, usually a little bit of mayonnaise and garlic. It just melted over things. Does that answer your question? That answers my question most assuredly. <laughs> All right, so restaurant you most regret losing, either the past five years Balkan because dining. of the pandemic. Balkan dining. Balkan dining was yes. great. I love that place. That I used de- to go there every other week. That dessert mm-hmm. apple? Oh, yeah. I'd go there, have the Turkish coffee. I, I, I mean, nice. I, I miss them because I got to know them a little bit more than I do a lot of people because I was just there all the time. And um, to be able to go into a restaurant in Tanawanda and order brick, which is a Bosnian meat, cheese, or potato pie, and the woman goes in back and she makes fresh filo dough a la minute, like right then. She makes fresh phyllo dough, whip, 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 fills it up, rolls it up, curls it up, puts it in a pan, bakes it off, sells it to you for $7. It was crazy. The place mm-hmm. was so good. And the chivapi, those little stubby little skinless sausages. Mm-hmm. My kid actually, one of my kids actually cried when they heard it was closed. I mean, and I would have, would have been right there too, except I had to be strong. <laughs> <laughs> I came close myself. So that's the one. That would be, I mean, there's certainly other places I definitely mm-hmm. miss, but that's the first one that came to mind because- there, you know, there's been nothing else like it before or right. since. Place I miss most, Nye Park Tavern. Talk about burgers. They had my favorite burger. It wasn't too much. It wasn't too small. Well, that's something you you can you can replicate that at yeah. home, can't you? Yeah. I mean, one of the reasons I don't typically get burgers or steak out if I'm paying is because I can make exactly what I want. Yeah, every that's single true. time. Mm-hmm. And now, and now that we have Moriarty Meats on Elmwood Avenue, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh shit! Like you can get this guy can get you the piece of meat you want. There was a dinner party a couple of months ago. The theme was Brazilian food. Have you ever been to one of those Brazilian uh, places where it's like all you can eat the meat? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Talk I, about portions, yeah. right? <laughs> I came away from my one my last Brazilian barbecue effort really in love with one particular cut of meat. It's called picanha. Um, basically it's a top sirloin that's got like a half an inch of fat cap on it. And what they do is they uh, rub it with garlic and then fold it in half and grill it that way and slice it. So as soon as I heard like, okay, Brazilian theme party, what's the best Brazilian thing I can make? Picanha. That's not a cut you can get at tops or anything else, but we have a Moriarty meats now. So I sent him a text. I said, I need five pounds of picanha. He said, when do you need it? I'm like, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> and it was brilliant. It was delicious. He's, he's cutting local. He's cutting New York State animals anyways. Mm. And now he's got this cafe open. Yes. Yeah. Have you seen that? I've seen it. I haven't been there no, yet. <gasps> Boy, you want to talk. The, listen, if you want to talk about the new hotness in town, Moriarty Cafe, number yeah. one with, oh my God, then there's Lotempio. Sorry, not Lotempio. 
Detondo. Detondo. Okay, first, if you want me to talk about the new hotness. So first yes. of all, the cafe. So this guy was a trained, was a butcher who got trained in France, and he grew up around French. Not grew up, but during that time period, he was working in restaurants. This is Moriarty. Moriarty. Yeah. Tom Moriarty, who runs the place with his wife Caitlin, and they live upstairs. So he came back not only knowing how to cut the meat, but like what to do with it once you cut it up. And what he's doing now is he's turning out this nice little list of sandwiches and soups and tapas. Tapas meaning small plates. Like you can come in and get two grilled head-on shrimp, like big guys. You know, if that so you want, or you can get vegetable, or he's got other things. And I just have to say that he's making the lamb kebab, the lamb shashlik that he's making right now. So I got, I got it, and then I was taking pictures. And then I was actually on my way to lunch with somebody else. But when I got there, it was warm, and I was like, it would be a shame to let this get cold. So I split it, and the person who was my lunch guest is a, an archaeologist from UB, a Fulbright scholar, who just came back from six months in Istanbul, Ooh. Turkey. And she said, this is the best kebab I've had in the United no States. Kidding. In the United States. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. And I'm like... That is some that is some praise. So put that on your radar, everybody. And the other place you need to know about right now, and I'm sorry to do this to them because they're busy enough, but you deserve to know about this place, Detondo. It used to be Detondo's Tavern. It's not anymore. It's light. It's airy. The place has been completely redone. It's an Italian restaurant making Italian, Italian food. The chef is from Italy. I went in there the other day. And I this have, is on Seneca Street, right? Or that's correct. Yep. It's uh, so you can go past chefs. Mm-hmm. Yes, look if you want your <laughs> look if you want your spaghetti parm. Sure, park at chefs. Go into chefs. Go right ahead. Enjoy your spaghetti parm. But down the street, they have um, a different Italian thing going on. Um, I went in there the other day and had uh, swordfish rolls, made according to a recipe that's a specialty in a little town in Italy. Basically, swordfish wrapped around uh, breadcrumbs, garlic, cheese. And the whole thing was just so light and fresh that it just made me want to cry. Because when I get swordfish in restaurants, it's usually hammered to dust. It's usually like chalky. This was like butter, but good. Beautiful. The other thing I have to mention is the tiramisu. Ooh. Almost every Italian restaurant in Buffalo has tiramisu, and so does Wegmans and Tops and everything else under the sun. It's probably in Sonic by now. <laughs> Go to Detondo, get the tiramisu. Uh, a, a lunch guest of mine offered me this quote about the tiramisu. If this tiramisu had knees and it got down and offered to marry me, I would get married again. <laughs> That's what she said. Wow. I, very P.U. Herman over. I, yeah. I, I once had... Uh, a very good beer. I'm not going to give name its name, but uh, my response, this is the best compliment I've ever given a piece of food was that I thought that beer was so good that it died for Jesus's sins. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. That's was, was pretty good beer then, huh? Yeah, it was, it was pretty yeah. good. All right. Well, I think the last question we have for you is what food trends are coming to Buffalo? By food trends, do you mean things that are just starting to show up that have been big other places for a while? That's right. That's a toughie. Uh, I mean, cause <sighs> You know, there's momentum, and then the, the, the pandemic really put everything on hold for a lot of people. We got third wave coffee. We got um, poke finally got here. Yeah. We got, oh, infused foods. Oh. oh. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, enforcement of various cannabis-related statutes has right. been somewhat relaxed. Mm-hmm. And that means that right now, 
um, there are a lot of talented people out there who are getting ready to get you super high legally in a lot of different formats. So uh, I haven't tried all these, but I probably will at some point. So I've seen, you know, infused, I've seen whole infused dinners, like gravy and mashed potatoes infused, uh, you know, way beyond the chocolates and gummies. Mm. I'm talking about how would you like to spread your... Uh, morning breakfast toast with some infused dolce de leche. <laughs> I've seen infused CBD products for the past couple of years, so we're starting THC now, I guess, right? Yeah. Well, and it's been underway for a while. Yeah. I know a lot of people who've got the LLC set up. They've got lawyers on retainer. They're, you know, they're just waiting for legal cover, and then things are going to get nuts. Because, I mean... It's also a real challenge for, for chefs, though, because there are people who are trying to put out, like, four-course infused tasting dinners. Mm. But if you, like, wipe out your guest and they're, like, singing Lucy <laughs> in the Sky with Diamonds by the, by or the salad course. Or they can't pay yeah, for pass, the meal. That's on their mashed potatoes, yeah. I think they're going to pay in advance. Yeah, yeah this, maybe. Maybe it'll be, like, one of those talk things where you yeah, have to buy I mean, a ticket to get in. I don't know if you've ever bought drugs, but usually you have to pay up front. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe. Maybe that's, that's probably usually, a good process. Yeah, they don't yeah. usually send you an invoice. Yeah. Or yeah. so I've heard. Not, not yet. Other things, you know, coming up. Let's see. Um, oh, Savage Wheat Project. So Emily Savage used to be one of the best pastry baker talents in town. She started the pastry program at Elm Street Bakery. She started the pastry program at The Grange, my favorite, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And then she was bit by a bug. It gave her Lyme disease. And then overnight, this, this, this uh, person who was an artist in white flour and sugar could eat neither of those things. What she did was she channeled her energy into making recipes for great baked goods that use ancient grains. And when she found out she couldn't get enough ancient grains, she went into the grain growing business. So coming this coming next year, her production facility is going to go online and this marketplace will finally have what San Francisco and Berkeley and Manhattan and all those places had, which is a steady supply of baked goods that not only don't trigger as often gluten allergies, but also taste really good and are made from stuff that was literally grown down the street. I mean, that's kind of ambitious, right? That's yeah. kind of like a, like a whole mindset of how you look at the world expressed in a bakery, in a, in a brownie. Mm-hmm. But that's also on the horizon to, to be looking forward to, I'd say. Looking forward to that. That sounds great. Yeah. I mean, I mean, to to see something like that finally showing up here in Buffalo really is. I mean, because you're talking about it's an intersection of of good eating and good health, and, and thinking about things in a way that you know haven't been thought of in the industrial era, really, right? Well, and it's certainly not been expressed in the Buffalo area at a retail site. Mm-hmm. So, if you're the kind of person, see if I can boil this down. It, If you're the kind of person who believes in buying what you buy because you want the world to be a certain way, you'll have a chance to buy a brownie that will arguably help save the planet, which is not, that's not even exaggeration. What she's talking about is, what she's trying to do is reinforce uh, local food ways to make uh, a a local food scene more resilient. Mm -hmm. And we were all reminded during the pandemic and the supply line interruptions about just reminded that maybe it'd be a little, maybe it won't be such a great idea if something really bad happened if we get all our food from California. Now, kind of on that, I mean, bigger cities, you mentioned Berkeley, Manhattan, things like that. You'd see years ago, farm to table really starting to take off. And, and we have some places here in Buffalo are doing that. Do you see a growth in that kind of market around here as well? 
I think there's a move away from the the label farm to market, sorry, farm to table, and more as a, as a we do it or we don't do it. I think there's a, a greater acceptance that every good restaurant needs to be doing that to the extent that they can. It, see, it's mm-hmm. the, the trouble with it getting broader is that for a long time the, it was inefficient and it was difficult. And a lot of times you had farm, basically chefs who had to go pick it up from the farm if they wanted it. I, now a whole bunch of services have sprung up to do that. Uh, produce peddlers is a local outfit that does that. And you can, so now that has grown up and that has made farm to table almost, yeah, almost expected really. Right. Like honestly, at this point, if I go into a restaurant and it's strawberry season and you don't have any strawberries on your menu, I'm like, honey, what is you doing? Right. And then, you know, all the way through, you know, fresh corn, tomatoes. If it's tomato season and you're a restaurant that takes pride in what you do and you are not showing me some killer tomato game, I'm like, yeah, baby, come on. Well, I, I feel the same way. Like, you know, the, the one of the ingredients that is close to my heart is if it's end of April, beginning of May, and if you don't have ramps and leeks on your menu, what are you doing? What do you, uh, but you, like you said about like, it used to be that you, you, you know, if you were the chef, you had to go pick stuff up. You know, I remember uh, like Adam from Craving used to be at Sample and Sample was one of the first farm to table places that we had here in the city of Buffalo. And he, he was, yeah, often driving to like, you know, conquered to go pick things up because it was the only way he could get it. The, during those, in, in the intervening years, Nickel City Chef years, let's call it that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a, during those years, uh, enough of an infrastructure grew up that needed to grow in terms of the businesses, the delivery systems, to make it really easy now for a chef in Buffalo to pull up the Produce Peddler website, for instance. Produce Peddler will list every day, here's what we're picking up today from our farm partners. So, like, all you have to do is connect with them, and they will drop it off for you. And that has done so much to increase the flow of locally produced food to local mouths. It was just always so weird to me for so long that, like, 95 98% of the things that people ate in Western New York restaurants were from California or Florida mm-hmm. or Idaho or some other place. Look, it, there's a long, long way to go, but it's so much better now. And I think... I think finally, and this is important, I think the customer base at large has come to see locally produced vegetables as the benefit that it is Mm -hmm. and are willing to go to a place more if they're like, oh, you're using Ols Farm carrots. Mm -hmm. And it helps those farmers live. I mean, it helps that recognition, Mm -hmm. you know, and that they can build a stable audience because a stable audience is not one restaurant if you're a farmer who takes your stuff to one restaurant that's not a stable situation because things happen to restaurants Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. farmers need to plan years and years ahead putting crops in the ground investing money in seed equipment to plant one thing they have to decide not to plant another Mm -hmm. so overall the situation for farmers has gotten a lot better who are trying to serve the local scene because greater demand greater audience uh, better transportation utilities. Yeah. Did I answer the question? I, th- I think so. I think Chris, so. Yeah. And, and I think some of some of the places you mentioned, Waxlight, the Grange, Prescotts. I mean, you can you can see it reflected in their menu because you go in one month and you can go in a month later and the menu is completely different. Good two weeks these are, later. These are obviously the places that are getting seasonal things and trying to work with it, and it's great. Well, and the and that they're doing that now and not apologizing for it is again a, a, a partly an effect of training. The audience, mm-hmm. training the audience, you know, you don't always want to see the same thing on there if they're using fresh stuff, because when it goes out of season, you want something else. Mm-hmm. 
uh, or, you know, are they going to get it off the Cisco truck? Those are your choices. Right. Well, I love, you mentioned this little pig and I love you go in there and he's got pictures of all the farmers that he yeah. gets his stuff from on the wall. It's great. Yeah. Well, and they eat there too. Yeah. They, they know what's what. I know. So speaking of farmers, I'm just going to return one more time to the plug for the uh, Seneca one. I call it a farm market, but their farmers are there and they have things that they grew on their farms, even though it's in the first floor of a towering office building. Dopest dough. Check it out. I mean, you don't have to, here's the great thing. You don't have to go far to find something new in Buffalo. That's awesome. I guess that's my message. Any, wrapping up here, anything else you want to plug? Where, where can we find you? You're on Twitter. You're obviously in the Buffalo News. Uh, at Buffalo Food on Twitter and Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I do make it uh, a declared practice of trying to help people find things that they want to eat in Buffalo because, number one, it's my job. And number two, it's how I find out what I don't know. Uh, via email, a A-G-A-L-A-R-N-E-A-U at B-U-F-F-N-E-W-S dot com, not buffalonews.com. Thank you, IT guys. Um, <laughs> or on Twitter, shoot me, you know, what? Do you, where do you think I should? I really feel it's like it's my mission to spread the notion that Buffalo is a city where you cannot afford to waste a meal. If you show mm-hmm. up at Buffalo and you go to Denny's, I fucked up. <laughs> I fucked up. I failed you. If you go to Buffalo, if you come to Buffalo and you have one meal, you should not spend it in a Denny's mm-hmm. smelling old oil and sadness. Maybe unless it's like 3 a.m. or something like that. There's, there's Again, there's always the situation. Still better. Yeah. If it's the only place that's open, <laughs> right. you know, I give you dispensation. God bless. Sure, you sure. can go. But if not, let's find out. Let's find you a better place to eat. Mm-hmm. There are so many. Thank you for your time. I appreciate yeah. the uh, opportunity to hold forth. You can tell I'm shy and I don't really like to do <laughs> thank, thank you for your time. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks.
cause people jobs or right. be <laughs> have a libel suit against us, of course. But 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 one on one, we might shit on somebody. We we will at least give you a thumbs up, thumbs down that the place is a bad place. I think the bottom line is your more establishment, pricier, fancier places. There they might be good. Um, if they've been around a while, they may not be, right. um, support your local mom and pop places, right? Support, support the, support the, the ones doing it the right way. Yeah. Especially like Andrew said, some, some of your, uh, some, some of your places that may not have a lot of notoriety, uh, that have started by refugees, immigrants. Right. I mean, start the places that you, if you think it's a, it's a hidden gem, Support them twice. Support them twice and then tell everyone you know. Yep. And tell us and we'll repeat it. Right. We, on air, we'll we'll repeat it on our social media. Yeah, maybe we'll order from them and share the food with one of our guests at some point. There we go. All right. But uh, yeah, Andrew's a real one. Read his articles. He's a great guy and uh, he knows his stuff. We'll have him back soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Definitely one of the bright spots of the Buffalo News.